0: Hello everyone and welcome to a Damon has not showered yet today and so he's wearing a baseball cap edition of the Monday check-in. Today is Monday January but I have to tip it way up so I can still get light on my face otherwise I'm covered in shadow. Um, to, uh, January 18th it is today uh, it's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. day. I am joined in this little endeavor by
1: Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Hastings,
0: who has already taken a shower this morning. Yeah, you're looking well-coiffed. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so the Monday check-in, for those who may not know, is uh, a little thing that we do. Greg and I get together. We have a little talk. We take a look at at least one of the scriptures that's going to be used for the upcoming Sunday. And then we have a little Bible study chat uh, about that. And then we switch gears and we share a little bit about what's going on in the life of First Prez Hastings. Um, Anything else people should know off the jump?
1: I mean, we open and close with prayer. So there's that. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and open us with prayer then. Sounds good. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, thank you for your spirit and all of the ways that it is made known. Uh, for all of those throughout history who have, uh, have, who have spoken your words uh, clearly and powerfully, who have, who have given voice and vision to the creation of your kingdom, uh, the kingdom of peace, the kingdom of justice, the kingdom of love. As we gather and consider your words this day, may we place ourselves in that line as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we have this morning, um, for this upcoming Sunday, a little bit of a reading from the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Which is
1: the entirety of chapter (laughs) 3. Yeah, actually. It's chapter 3. We could so just sure. say Jonah chapter three. And, and I'd, I'd point out to those of our loyal listeners, uh, grab your Bibles and uh, read the whole book of Jonah because it's like literally only four pages long. Uh, but yeah. it's helpful to ground yourself in the context of the story. It's a familiar story. It's one that we all learn in Sunday school and, and repeat. And it's often fodder for vacation Bible school and all that stuff. And it's a great story. But rereading it is always a helpful thing. And and it'll take you, it it took me like three minutes this morning to reread the entire book of Jonah, uh, to ground it in the context of this chapter three that we're going to be focusing on today. So there's my plug for
0: biblical literacy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, It is a very familiar story. I would also say that it is a a very uh, misunderstood story or a very shallowly understood story um i think i think we we learned the like third grade version of it and then we kind of stopped learning it um <laughs> so but it's there's a lot going on in this well book. hopefully then this monday
1: check-in will be a chance for us to go a little bit deeper damon and you can expound upon what you mean by that
0: oh uh, for sure <laughs> it's, uh, so the third chapter of jonah The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty more days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles. "No No human being or animal, no herd or flock, shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may yet relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Greg, what do you got? So there's some really cool Holy Spirit
1: stuff going on uh, with this passage and the way I plan on preaching it, and then it ties in with our sermon two weeks ago, and it ties with, with our sermon yesterday. Uh, and I was pretty excited about that when I read the passage, not realizing quite how much God's Holy Spirit was going to be working in all this. So uh, two weeks ago, I had intended to preach uh, a slightly different sermon on Genesis 1 and John 1 and ended up preaching instead about the events of January 6th in the U.S. Capitol. And a big thrust of that sermon was about this cycle of repentance and forgiveness. Um, and that was a direct result of of uh, the Holy spirit moving me to preach about that relative to that sermon. So repentance and forgiveness became sort of one of the major themes of that sermon two weeks ago. And then yesterday uh, I preached on um, the fruit of the spirit. And we talked about Christian freedom and specifically we contrasted the work of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And we talked about how the work of the flesh tears us apart. It pulls connections apart and the fruit of the spirit brings us together. So work of the flesh, separation, fruit of the spirit, connectivity, and unity. And then we get to this passage from Jonah and it's, it literally pulls all of that together, this notion of repentance and forgiveness. And then also I think it reflects on these themes of, of connectivity of human connection and unity and not just this third chapter, but the whole of the the book of Jonah and so uh, I'm pretty excited about that, uh, and I don't take much credit for that. I, I did, I, I lined out the sermon series way back in in June, sitting in a cabin in the mountains. But uh, it turns out God's Holy Spirit was was in the midst of my working and all of that, and has has lined this up. So I'm excited about how this is sort of lining up and how it's it's allowing us to reflect on these themes through different voices in the Bible uh, all pointing us in the same direction of repentance and forgiveness, as well as the importance of that, which connects us and unifies us instead of that, which separates and divides us. So there's that.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. This, the people who repent in this story are the uh, exact people who you would not think are going to repent in the story. So, the um, Jonah goes uh, to Nineveh, right? Uh, Nineveh is the capital city of Babylon. Babylon is they are they are they are the enemy of, of the people of Israel. Babylon is the nation that destroyed Israel, took slaughtered innocents, took the people into exile. Um, this is where God has called Jonah to go, right? And and to preach this word and so it's surprising <laughs> that the people of Nineveh repent, um, the de- and the degree to which they repent. Uh, a lot of scholars will read this, and t- there's a lot of satirical elements going on in Jonah. Um, Jonah can be seen as kind of an Inspector Clouseau kind of a character. He, he's the bubbling prophet who doesn't really do what he is supposed to do um and yet somehow the word of god works through him anyway in the same um, way that inspector Clouseau always solves his cases right somehow they get figured out mm-hmm. yep um and the the he goes into nineveh he preaches he doesn't nineveh was not it was not a three days walk across <laughs> nineveh uh and even if it was he doesn't even get to the center he goes a day in And says this is probably good enough. He doesn't get to the center of the city. Um, He doesn't even make it to the king. He just finds a street corner somewhere and starts saying this stuff. Uh, And people listen. But people listen. And eventually, the word gets to the king. And when the king hears it third or fourth or fifth hand, (laughs) oh yeah, that's a great idea. We should do that. And not only should we do it, all of our animals are going to do it. We're going to put and we're going to put sackcloth. um, which was a sign of repentance and we're going to put sackcloth on all of our animals. Right. So you can picture people going out and trying to put little sackcloth on their chickens and on, on all of their goats and on all of their everything. Um, and they're not going to eat. Right. We're going to keep all of our animals from eating and drinking. Um, so the degree to which the entire city repents um, is is astounding
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering Damon. perhaps for our children's message we could have one of our members bring in a live chicken and the children's message could be you chasing the chicken around the sanctuary trying to put <laughs> sackcloth on it try to put some sackcloth on it. maybe that should be pre-recorded
0: i i think live would actually make it much more <laughs> interesting <laughs> can i get permission to not wear the robe then if that's what's going to happen well, I guess my question would be, what would Jonah have been wearing?
1: We want to make this as authentic as possible.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't believe that Jonah would have put on any any special clothes to, to carry out this task.
1: Well, my question is, do his clothes still smell like fish guts? Because if we'll remember, backing up in the story, the story is not just about the repentance um, of the people of Nineveh. It's also about Jonah's own repentance, because... God tells Jonah, Jonah to get to Nineveh and Jonah goes the other direction.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He goes (laughs) the exact opposite direction.
1: Exactly. Uh, and then, uh, Jonah has a transformational experience and he repents of his not following God's direction in his life. Uh, and instead goes, goes the other way after this, um, transformational experience. But, um, I'm I'm hoping he at least washed his robes out before he, uh, or yeah, perhaps that's
0: what made the Ninevites listen to him. Was the yeah stink. yeah kind of a John in the wilderness kind mm-hmm. of a kind of a vibe going on, right? <laughs> and the story like the story goes on, right? The people repent, and uh, and it, God here changes God's mind. God chooses yep. uh, these people that are being earnest in their repentance, uh, and I won't bring upon them the calamity that I had planned. And Jonah does not like this. The story goes on. Jonah then gets, throws a fit about this. Right. And God says, why, why are you so mad? And Jonah says, this is why I didn't want to come here. I knew you were going to do this. God, I knew it. He says, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I knew that you were going to forgive these people. And I to be quite honest, I don't want them to be forgiven, right, and and so there's, like, there's this really biting <laughs> part to the story about, um, and a real challenge, and, like, God is a God of mercy and forgiveness, and that mercy and forgiveness is available to all, all, oh, right, so, yeah, and so a lot of people see this as, like, an early, sort of, critique of of a certain kind of nationalism, right, um, that that this the covenant God is willing to to make covenant with lots of folks um, and and to forgive and to forgive all and to have mercy for all and um, and so if we want to sit in judgment um, right. we we're going to need to be real careful <laughs> about right. that yeah and the,
1: I mean. The, there's a, there, there's a very humanness to Jonah throughout this entire story. That's one of the things I love about it is that Jonah is this famous prophet um, right there in the, in the prophetic literature of the older Testament. And, and, and there's this humanness first saying, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go into a city and proclaim your judgment on them and running away the opposite direction. How many of us have run the opposite direction of what we suspect God is probably calling us to do because it's uncomfortable or we might have to speak truth, or whatever. And then uh, and then he has a rough experience, uh, God forgives him, he repents, and then he goes and does the task that he's assigned to do. But then it's like, well, listen, I'm the righteous one, and these folks really, really hurt your people, God. Yeah. And yet, I knew you're a God of mercy, all along and I knew that even though you're going to make me go into the city and do this you were going to forgive them and Mm -hmm. there's a very human response there too right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so it's it's I mean it's a great story but I I love the way it riffs on these themes of forgiveness and repentance uh both for Jonah's story and for the story of the people of Nineveh uh it's it's important for us to reflect on that and I love too that the 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 repentance goes all the way up to the highest levels the king even recognizes uh, the error of his ways and owns it and says we got to change our ways and, and 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 issues a decree all the way down that we got it we got to do this we got to do this the right way um and and so it's it's a powerful story in that sense um and a powerful reminder of that um yeah and and, and again a reminder too of god's mercy and forgiveness is is not confined to one specific population. Um, right. it, you know, if people authentically repent, God's
0: forgiveness and mercy will be there for them every time. Yeah, it, um, it reminds me of the, the five for five practice that Kylie has suggested for this week. Um, yep. and, and it ties really, It's in the lectionary, it's tied with a different gospel reading. Um, but it ties really well with this, the story of the uh, the man who thought himself righteous, or I don't know yes. whatever the yes. whatever the little heading is, right? But the two people go to the to the temple to pray, and one says, "Thank you, God, that I am not like everybody else. I, I don't rob, I don't cheat, I don't steal. I, you know." Um, and the other one says, "Have mercy on me, a sinner." Yep. Um, and the what I find interesting about like the 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 person who gives the the haughty prayer like, is doing good things right. Uh, um, so, but it's interesting. But that's another little story that that challenges our notions of um, who we judge and how and when uh, and to what degree. Because even like even as soon as we start to judge the 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 person that gives the haughty prayer, then we're we're doing the exact thing that we're not supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, the one thing though about this story is that it's, you know, it it, it justifies this notion of a prophetic voice as well. Though we're not supposed to do it in a haughty way, and we're not supposed to do it in a way that I'm somehow more righteous than you. Mm-hmm. But if 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 I see an injustice being done, I'm, and, and God has inspired us to call it out in the same way that God inspired Jonah to call out the injustice that was taking place in Nineveh. specifically the king names violence, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to call out that violence. We don't do it in a haughty way. We don't do it in a holier-than-thou way. But, um, but we, need, we need to name sin when, when we see it. And then we need to recognize our own need for forgiveness and repentance, which is what Jonah had to do. And hope that, uh, that those who hear that prophetic voice also do in the same way that the Ninevites, from their king on down, were able to hear that message and repent. Um, and so we can have a role in helping others seek repentance and forgiveness, but we cannot do it in a way um, so beautifully said, Damon, of that sinner's prayer of, I'm doing good things, I'm righteous. No, it's, help me, Lord, for I am a sinner and help these folks help all of us we're all in need of that we've got to do this right but but repentance is a key part of that Mm -hmm. um and and then the the second piece of that that i said sort of ties into my sermon from last week that that will bring us back into right relationship both with other humans and also with god It, it 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 that repentance allows us to unify, to come back together in our relationship with God and to come back together in our relationships with one another. And so the the sin is the separation and the repentance and forgiveness allows for the unity for that coming back together
0: into right relationship, right? Yeah, and I I think that 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 part about naming the injustice is, I think, is critically important in this in this passage and just in our lives, right? Um, Yeah, and and to do that clearly and concisely and and say, these are things that need to stop happening. Um, And if I'm contributing to that, then then I need to stop contributing to it and I need to stop being complicit in it or whatever the case. Um, And if it's things that are happening on a wider sort of scale, then, then we need to stop because we can't really get through life without making any any sort of judgments at all. Right? we need some sort of boundary. We need some sort of standard. We need it's. It was, and now it's reminding me of your sermon from Sunday that that it's not it's not not freedom for to just be disconnected from everything. Um, that it's freedom actually to to recognize how connected we are actually to everything else yeah and and so
1: when we see those works of the flesh it's important to name them in ourselves um and and to prophetically when when appropriate uh point them out when we see them in in our larger society And, and but again not in a way that's haughtier holier than thou because we recognize our own fallenness that we all fall, fall short of the glory of God and we are all in need of forgiveness and uh, all in need of repentance. But it's uh, a, and, and that's a, that's a tough balance for sure. And, and Jonah doesn't get the balance exactly right.
0: when He's like, God, I knew you were going to forgive him. Yeah, I knew it. And that's why I didn't want to do this. I, uh-huh. That's why that isn't this why I ran away in the first place is essentially what he says. So,
1: yeah. And, and Damon and I don't feel that way, but every week when we say the assurance of pardon, It's a reminder, God, you are a God of forgiveness, right? There was a a little debate going on uh, in a group that I'm a part of about whether or not we should remove the assurance of pardon before the prayer of confession. Reminding ourselves that we are a people who are forgiven, that God is a God of grace, and then confessing our sins. And, And it's a theological debate, it's a liturgical debate, Uh, It's an interesting one. Um, I, I said, generally, when Damon and I introduce the prayer of confession, we call it the call to confession, we always say, you know, we serve a God of grace or we serve a God of forgiveness. And in that spirit, let us confess our sins. And then we do the assurance of pardon. So there's, there's almost an assurance of pardon in the call to confession, and then we confess our sins and then we have the assurance of pardon. But this is this whole cycle of repentance and forgiveness. And we try to practice that every week in worship. That's part of why we structure
0: worship the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't that also kind of assume that a person's only coming to church once? I mean. Because, like, you know, like <laughs> if one week flows from the week before, right? then we end on an assurance of pardon. Yeah.
1: That's what's floating out there. Yeah. And that, that leads us into the confession once again, the following week. Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. But yeah, if somebody's visiting us for the first time and they're, they're confronted with a (laughs) a prayer of confession without having had the assurance of pardon the week before, um, how how does that all work? And, you know, one of the, um, one of the calls to confession that I use is actually from first John. Uh, and I don't use this one all the time, but, uh, if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins before God, God is merciful and just and sure to forgive our sins. And then I'll say, and in that spirit, let us confess our sins before God. Right. And, and that's, that's directly from first John. Um, and so even that there is, is that setup, but anyways, just interesting reflections on theology and liturgy and how it all plays out and why we do things the way that we do on Sunday morning worship service. And um,
0: yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason why that, why that ritual is so well baked into the worship service that it's, it's, that's an every week sort of a thing yeah just as it has been at that gathering as it was at all the, the other ones indeed mm-hmm. uh what else anything else or or do you think it'll preach
1: i, I think it'll preach I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about being able to to sort of tie together the last two weeks with this week and and the story of jonah it's just it's an interesting story it's a fun story to reflect on uh, the humanness of it all and um so that's actually two in a row where we've had two Old Testament stories that really
0: have that very humanness to them, right? That's the but, way that I find those stories to be. I I, I oftentimes find the Old Testament stories to be to be much more human than than the Newer Testament sorts of things, uh, and less. Um, especially, you start to get into Paul's. Well, I mean, a lot of the New Testament is is just thinking about things and reflecting on things that's that's all paul's writing um and so it gets really heady and theoretical um and a lot of the older testament is here's a story yeah
1: yep well good should we should we roll into some announcements here we probably should. People are probably clamoring for it. They're just, anxiously waiting yeah. on the edge of their seats to hear our announcements. The, yep. the first one I'll share with you uh, we're recording this on Martin Luther King Day. We'll probably post this to our church's social media accounts uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. And that's because we posted something else to our church's social media accounts uh, today. And that was a reading of the letter from a Birmingham jail that was written by Martin Luther King jr uh in april of 1963 from his birmingham jail cell and uh what what we did is 16 clergy or faith leaders in the central nebraska area got together and recorded sections of that letter and then we edited a video together of all of us reading that letter uh section by section and we're inviting our church uh to do that today to uh, to read the letter from a Birmingham jail, either to listen to our recording, which runs about 55 minutes, uh, or to read the text of that letter. As, uh, as we think about Martin Luther King Jr.'s words that were written in 1963 and what relevance they still have for us today, um, as we seek these cycles of repentance and forgiveness, as we seek connectivity and building a beloved community, as Martin Luther King Jr. would say. So uh, if you did not do that uh, on Martin Luther King Jr. day, uh, take a look to our church's social media pages and uh, find that recording and listen to it uh, or find the text copy of the letter. You can just Google the letter and it's easily available. Um, and I encourage you to read through that and reflect on it uh, in the same spirit that uh, perhaps the Ninevites reflected on Jonah's, Jonah's prophetic words to them. So uh, yeah. that's,
0: that's one. Yeah, it would be a nice, um, spiritual practice for a person uh, to add into their life if they wanted, and it would pair really nicely with the five-for-five the five practice this week that we uh, we mentioned a little bit ago, but Kylie Wenberg, parish associate, has been um, uh, working on and pulling together and, and helping us to, how do we add a little bit of spirituality into our daily lives? How do we continue to explore our faith even though we are continued to experience this separation and isolation because of COVID-19. And so she has these uh, five for five, uh, five minutes for five days, spiritual practices. My cat's about to jump on my lap, maybe, so be aware of that. Um, And this week's practice is is based off of the story that we talked about. It's um, a very simple prayer. I'm not going to remember it exactly, but uh, Lord Jesus something have mercy, have mercy there's, on there's, me there's a little phrase there that I can't remember but uh Lord Jesus son of god maybe have mercy on me a sinner yep and to and to repeat that um several several times for 5 minutes um as your prayer and to do that every day but if folks are looking for a better explanation uh, they can find that on our YouTube page, I believe. So. Correct. It's already been uploaded
1: there. So that video of Kylie explaining that spiritual practice is there as along with uh, videos of Kylie doing that. I think there are now not eight or nine of them up there. Uh, we started this process in Advent and have continued it. And so each week Kylie explains uh, this five for five, spending five minutes, five days a week uh, in some sort of prayer. Uh, or some sort of spiritual practice. And so we invite you to engage with that as well. Um, our session, the Leadership Council of the Church, will be meeting this Thursday, the 21st, to talk about what uh, COVID precautions are going to look like for the next month or two. And so we will update you with regard to that in terms of worship and meetings in the building and all that stuff. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. We'll, uh, I'll probably share a letter on Friday, and then we will uh, also let you know from the pulpit next week where we're going with that. Uh, some hopefulness in that the vaccination has made its way to Adams County. Uh, and so we, we see an end, but uh, also we see that the, the spread of the disease in our local area is still uh, relatively high and the positivity rate is still relatively high. So we're gonna continue to balance um, the health and safety of our local church family as well as our community. With our desire to gather as a family of faith. So keep uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, In that vein, uh, we're scheduling our annual congregational meeting on January 31st. Uh, That will probably be done virtually or remotely, Uh, so we will probably roll right into the congregational meeting after worship on the 31st if you're listening on the radio or watching on Facebook. Uh, And you will be able to participate uh, by mailing in a ballot for the items that we have to vote on. And also, we will have a phone number that people can call in if somebody wants to bring a motion to the floor of that meeting. But otherwise, uh, we will be it will be done by either mail-in ballot or we will also send out a link where people can vote um, virtually using a Google form. So keep an eye out for that as well. We'll have a lot more details about that uh, at our Monday check-in next week, uh, and hopefully by then we will have mail the stuff out and people will be getting that. And we can talk
0: a little bit more about that. Uh, what's going on with Christian Ed, Damon? Well, I can tell you about a couple of things. Uh, we have we are in the midst of a little three-part forum series um, on sort of creativity and spirituality, creativity and the arts, the arts and spirituality, the arts and faith or something along those lines. Uh, So Turner McGee uh, was, was joined us a couple of weeks ago. This past Sunday, Byron Jensen joined us Um, this coming Sunday, I believe Ruth Nielsen uh, will be joining us and all sort of sharing different ways that they see spirituality, faith intersecting uh, with the arts. So on Sunday, Byron uh, shared with us uh, some, some, Really interesting sort of musical analysis of some pieces by Bach uh, and other well-known mass uh composers, um, as well as a few other things. Uh, and, and it was really interesting. So if folks are interested, would like to hop on this coming Sunday at 9:15 uh to hear what Ruth has to share. Uh there's just a we're doing that by Zoom. There's a little link. They can contact the church and we will get that. Them uh, that link will probably go out in in an email at some point this week as well so folks can be on the lookout for that. There's a parent continues to meet. That's a an adult uh, conversation and study group. They've been meeting via Zoom. Um, I forget now what the the study is that they are looking at right now. Uh, But if folks are interested in checking that out, same kind of deal, let us know. We can get you the Zoom link and information. Um, And I know that for our younger folks, our elementary-aged children, uh, there are packets that Steph has put together, sent out to families, and then each week there's a a video lesson for families to find on our YouTube page and take a look at and, and study together. Uh, and continue to grow in our faith that way. And you always recommend that adults check them out as well. So I do because uh, Steph and some of our favorite Sunday school teachers are doing a
1: great job. Uh, Steph does <laughs> didn't know she'd have to have video editing skills when uh, she uh, signed up to be the director of Christian Ed, but she's done a phenomenal job of editing those videos together and pulling uh, different Sunday school teachers in to help uh, lead those videos. So they are pretty remarkable we're grateful for her um two two interesting items of note one uh linda volweiler played a great prelude that was a bach piece uh this sunday morning right after uh yeah. Byron had just spoken about bach um which is fun mm-hmm. second uh ruth nielsen who's leading the forum next week uh and i were talking and we discovered a bunch of stubby altar candles right? So we, we, we have candles on our communion table that burn down and once they get to a certain height, we replace them with new candles. but neither Damon nor I can throw out the old candles. We just can't bring ourselves to pitch because they're, they're, they're like this, this big and it's like, well, and so they're, since I have been here, uh, which coming up on four years, I, I put them in a box in the Kessler room, not knowing what to do with them and uh ruth is very creative she's uh, an art teacher at the high school and uh, she and i talked about it and she is going to uh, melt down those altar candles and make new candles out of them we got a wick and uh, the other things necessary to make candles and ruth's going to teach herself how to do candle making and then we'll take those old altar candles and melt them down into something new and beautiful which will become a christ candle which we will then use uh, either in the chapel or on our Advent wreath or something. So, just kind of a fun, exciting aside. But uh, you know, we we church for folks kind of nerd out on this stuff. It's
0: uh, it's it's fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I would be willing to throw those things away, but I know that there's a box there, and so I just figured that's what we did with them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to offend anybody by throwing them away. Thank you.
1: Thank you for not being <laughs> offensive, Damon. Should we close with prayer?
0: Yeah.
1: All right, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for uh, the creativity that you have gifted us with uh, that manifests itself in so many different and beautiful ways. We also thank you for the gift of your holy word that we studied this morning. We look back to the prophecies of Jonah to the people of Nineveh, and we reflect on what that might mean for us in our daily walk of faith today the call to forgiveness and repentance and God's steadfast mercy that he shows. We know that we are both Jonah some days and some days we are the people of Nineveh. And so we ask that you continue to walk with us, God. Put Jonahs into our lives when we need to hear a prophetic voice and give us courage to speak with the courage of a prophet like Jonah when uh, we are called to do so, when we see injustice in the world and are called to respond to that. Above all, we thank you for for this community that you've created, this community of First Presbyterian Church of Hastings and all the ways that it connects our lives with the lives of others, knowing that we are connected ultimately in our Christian freedom to love one another. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: With all those things said and done, toodaloo.